Hello everyone and welcome to the home birth experience. I'm your host Julia Meyer and today I'm going to be joined with a previous client Lizzie Monroe. First, I just wanted to give a little disclaimer for this episode that we did a poolside recording with these sweet little Rode microphones that I purchased and I thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't. Well, actually, I didn't really think that I knew what I was doing other than the talking part, (laughs) not the technology part. We were not in the studio with our amazing producer, Matt Jaffe. So there are a few little um, hiccups and the beginning of this podcast is a little distorted. So I'm just warning you, it's my fault, but I think you can still understand. And then it gets better. So just power through the first few minutes and then it gets better. All right, everyone, let's jump in. Hello and welcome to the home birth experience. Today I am joined with client and friend Lizzie Monroe. Hello Lizzie. Hi everyone. How are you doing today Lizzie? I'm doing perfect sitting by the pool on this Friday evening. Yes, so we decided to do a little poolside chat and fill you all in on some things going on with Cleveland Home Birth and just have a casual little chat and hopefully you glean something from it. If you haven't listened already to Lizzie's podcast, it was one of the first episodes where she and her mom came on and told her birth story of her fifth son at home, which sadly I did not make it to. I know. I can't believe that happened, but... <laughs> what do you mean you can't believe it happened? I totally believe it happened, because I even said, I'm probably not going to make it to this birth. I'm serious. She told me that in one of my first prenatals. She's like, I have a feeling that I'm not going to make your birth. She's like, I'm not trying to freak you out, but I have a feeling, and that's actually what happened. She called it. <laughs> and the other funny thing was that I asked your mom at one of the prenatals if she wanted to catch the baby, and she was like, oh, no, 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 I'll let you do that. And then she ended up catching the baby and with tears in her eyes telling the story said, you know, if you were there, I wouldn't have had that experience. It was the most amazing experience catching my grandson. Oh, yeah. She tells everyone like that was one of the most amazing moments of her life. And she is so proud of that story. Yeah, I just love it. I love when a family member gets to catch the baby. It's just uh, Every birth is amazing, but it's just so, so special when the family has their hands on their baby first. You know what I mean? Yeah, which I find that funny, too, because you asked me if I wanted my husband to catch the baby or if I wanted to even catch my own baby. And I said, no, Julia, you're catching the baby. No (laughs) ifs, ands, or buts. I don't want my husband to do it. I don't want to do it. I want you to. And then it ends up (laughs) that... You don't, and my mom does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We even talked about Lariah, your oldest daughter, catching because she really wanted to. Right. And I was was playing with that. You know, I, I didn't know if I was going to. I told her maybe. We'll see how the moment goes. But I really was dead set that you were going to catch my baby, and you weren't even there, so. 
totally did not catch your baby nope you didn't (laughs) so just another example of you never know how your birth's gonna go and having very few if any expectations is pretty smart right exactly like you don't know you can have nine months to prepare for this big moment and in the moment you never know what's going to happen and you can have all these expectations and plan it out as much as you want but birth is just something you really can't plan nope nope it's just best left undisturbed exactly and that's the best way to do it too undisturbed and yeah the other thing that was great about your birth so your mom was on a phone no I think your sister called me well anyway I was on speakerphone with you guys and I was on my way and we talked about the whole placenta thing because your mom thought you were bleeding too much and how that worked so if you don't already know about this y'all you're gonna have to listen to her podcast because I'm not gonna explain it all right now (laughs) (laughs) but um I thought one of the coolest things was the photo shoot afterwards because Lizzie is also a photographer yes I am photos mean everything to me and I actually do have a little photography business on the side I'm a stay-at-home mom besides that but after my birth I was like we need this photo we need that photo like it was a complete photo shoot after julia got there (laughs) it really was and it was cool because you know i I was in the pictures and then i was taking pictures of them and and i look back at those pictures and i'm like these are some of the most beautiful pictures that just show like the beauty and the bonding and the sacredness like it really you can feel the emotion in them Yeah, you really can. I think with something like that, it's not a pose photography thing. It's just the organic feelings you can see in the photos. And I think that's what makes those photos mean so much more to me, even than just a family portrait. For sure, 100%. And if you're ever looking for a photographer to do family portraits, graduation pictures, or birth photography, you can find Lizzie on Facebook at Lizzie Monroe Photography. Yep. And are you on Instagram too? Yes, I am. Awesome. So check her out. If you need a photographer, she is amazing. Aw, thank you, Julia. (laughs) So I wanted to talk a little bit about something that Cleveland Home Birth has been doing, a new support group weekly. It started out during COVID. Historically, I had in-person gatherings where all my clients would come together and we'd have like either a ladies lunch or we'd have something at the park with all the families and we'd grill out you know, maybe every couple months just for everybody to connect because the the community is so important. And I'll let Lizzie speak into that because she's one that was like, yeah, well, go ahead. Say your piece. I honestly, that is, I loved having those moments of hanging out with other women that ch- were choosing home birth just like me and getting to know them. And I to this day, some of them that I met in the back in the beginning of my pregnancy with my son, which he's eight months now, so I'm still friends with them. We talk on social media, especially, and I really enjoyed getting to know these women that 
you know, it's just so amazing the bond and connection you can have in these groups that we did. Yeah. So in the middle of COVID, well, not the middle of COVID, it was before COVID happened, I sent out an email, okay, we're going to do another gathering, blah, blah, blah. COVID comes and I had to reconsider that and postpone it. And as we all know that there's really no end in sight for COVID. And I decided, well, why don't we do it over Zoom so that we can all still connect and support each other and, you know, stay our safe distance and all that kind of stuff. So I had the first Zoom meeting and we really didn't have an agenda other than just to get together and chat. And it was amazing how the conversation just flowed. I think we had about 13 moms come on and I think maybe three or four hadn't had their babies yet. And the rest of them, you know, are nursing their babies. And, you know, one of them is a year old. So it was just really cool to see like everybody from, you know, different points in their journey together on the same screen and sharing their highs and lows really is what it turned out to be that first time was we were sharing highs and lows. And I think for my clients and myself, even it was just nice to have women to relate to and to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, I totally agree. And these these Zoom meetings have even been great. It's just a lot of people are sitting at home, not doing things, and it's a moment to get away and have adult conversation about what your journey through this new life you've brought in. And I think it's just amazing that you are able to do that with everyone. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. So I then decided, well, let's just do this weekly. You know, Thursday mornings, 10 to 1130, not a big commitment. Keep it the same day of the week, same time, so everybody always knows. And then we started picking different topics to discuss. And one of them was nutrition during pregnancy and for your baby. Were you on those talks? I was on that one, yes. Yeah. So we talked a lot about traditional diets, eating good fats. Um, some of the resources are Weston A. Price Foundation and Nourishing Traditions, which is a cookbook based on Weston A. Price Foundation and all of his research. So what that looks like is, you know, knowing the source where your food comes from, and eating pure, unadulterated food, not being afraid of fats, because a lot of people in our culture are just afraid to eat fats, and fats are the building blocks of hormones, and what regulates almost every system of the body? Hormones. You know, so you need these building blocks, and when you eat beef, from a cow that has only been fed grass, which is what it is meant to eat, not grains, then you're getting a high omega-3 um, content in that fat. If you're eating conventional grain-fed beef, then you're getting high omega-6, which is not good for our bodies. So, you know, there is truth to don't eat that much beef, of course, because if you're eating conventional beef, then it's doesn't have the right ratio of fat, of omegas. So Weston A. Price definitely goes really in depth with that information. So I really, really like that. And then 
um, we talked a little bit about baby led weaning and Lizzie has a lot of experience with that having five children and gone through you know you did baby food for the first few right my first two I did the traditional you know baby food and all that and then on my third he was my first home birth so I was having more of a natural mind at that time and my my third child did not have one puree ever and now I've followed that through with my fourth and now my eight-month-old nap baby so honestly I would never go back to baby food and I see the benefits Example, my eight-month-old, when he was three months old, he would sit at our counter where we were all eating in his little chair, and he would mimic, at three months old, he would mimic a chewing motion like my kids. I honestly thought my three-year-old had given him food because that's how much he was mimicking their chew. And I feel with the baby food, they just learn how to swallow then, and they don't really learn to properly chew with the puree and with my with my fourth with my fourth kid she did not have any teeth and she was sitting at her at the counter one day in her high chair she pulled a piece of pizza off when she was like nine months old and ate the whole thing without any teeth and I was like Oh my gosh, like it just opened to my eyes to what you can do with this baby led weaning because she chewed without any teeth a whole pizza piece of pizza up. <laughs> That's so, awesome. I know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's definitely like it's from your experience, you know, like live and learn kind of thing and there are books, I think one of them is actually called Baby Led Weaning, where they talk about all these different things. And, you know, I kind of, in in the Zoom meetings when all these topics come up, I always tell moms, like, go with your instinct. You know, like, take it back to the basics. I think with childbearing and raising children, back to the basics I can't stress it enough. <laughs> I totally, you know me, I totally agree with that. I try to be a basic mom because guess what? My life is so much easier now that I'm a basic mom. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and even our food, like talking about um, what to eat as an adult and what to eat as pregnant women and, you know, um, ovulating during our cycles, like all that different stuff. Yeah. It's about fats. It's about proteins. I mean, I have clients who are vegan, vegetarian, all that's good. As long as you're eating whole foods, I always say two things, one ingredient foods, which are an apple, orange, broccoli, you know, it's one ingredient. So it's a whole food and it's good for your body. And then the other thing I say is, if it rots, you can eat it. Well, actually, I took that from Karen Edwards. So shout out to Karen Edwards down there in Akron. She's an awesome midwife. <laughs> but she always said, if it rots, you can eat it, which makes sense because, you know, you put a bag of Cheetos on the counter. Do they rot? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, you think about, like, the wholesome good foods and, again, just taking it back to the basics. But back to baby led weaning, what Lizzie was saying about 
her fourth child, her daughter, eating that slice of pizza without teeth. So when you are spoon feeding a baby purees, they're missing out on several things. So one is the pincer reflex, and that is the fingers grabbing something. It's a fine motor skill, and it's something that neurologically needs to be nurtured and developed in the growing child. And so allowing them to have food in front of them and to use that reflex and coordinate with their brain and bring it to their mouth and put it in their mouth, that's one amazing thing. And when you're spoon feeding, they don't get that. The other is with mastication, which is chewing. So when you're spoon feeding, you're putting a puree in the mouth and they have to swallow so that they don't choke. And so it's a reflex, again, that they're just swallowing because this stuff is in their mouth. Whereas when you put something in their mouth that needs chewing before swallowing, you're teaching them mastication and the movement of their jaw that is necessary to digest our food, which then also is um, sending the message to the brain to start secreting saliva, which saliva is part of the, the enzyme process of digestion and assimilation of the nutrients that we put in our body. So all those things are really important that don't necessarily happen when you're just spoon feeding a baby purees. And it also helps to develop the muscular, the muscular structure of the jaw and the face when you're teaching your baby how to chew. And I say teaching, but honestly, you're not teaching them. You're just giving them the opportunity to develop that on their own as they were created to do and have the ability to do without instruction. So it will also help with bone formation of the jaw, the chin, um, all of it is just really, really crucial. It also helps with how they motor their tongue and use their tongue, which then helps with speech development. So, you know, one thing leads into the next. And like Lizzie was saying, back to the basics, her life is so much easier now because, you know, Lizzie, what, you're at the dinner table and you only have to cook one meal for seven people? Right, exactly. I'm not worried about oh, I got to get the baby this or that on top of our meal. I just give him what we're eating in, you know, smaller amounts. And right now, you know, he's getting the most of the nutrition from me nursing him. But I give him just enough to practice. And so when the time is there that he is getting his nutrition from other than my breast milk, that he will be ready to eat anything and everything on his own. And I won't have to worry about choking. I won't have to worry about cutting it into tiny, tiny pieces because with baby lead weaning, you really, once they get it, it, on their own, like you said, you don't have to teach them. Once they get it on your own, you don't even have to cut it into tiny pieces. Mm -hmm. You just, they will start eating just like a human any an adult human (laughs) (laughs) they're not human yet (laughs) sorry sorry um but it it's honestly doing both ways it's amazing to see the difference and it's just the way uh, the way to go in my opinion yeah my opinion too and you brought up another point about choking so babies have the strongest gag reflex that they'll ever have in their lives. So it starts to, that reflex starts to um, become integrated as we grow and get older. 
but the younger they are, the stronger that reflex is. And so, you know, I think a lot of parents get worried. Oh my God, my baby's going to choke on this. They might, but guess what? They also have a really, really strong gag reflex. That's going to help them get it back up. And I mean, it is important to know what to do, how to do the Heimlich maneuver on a small child if you were to run into that scenario. But I mean, I've nannied for 10 plus years, raised six sets of twins. I never once had to use a Heimlich, but boy, did I see some choking and gagging and they worked it out. Right. I and I have seen the gagging, too. And I'm on my fifth child, like we've said, and I've never had to do the Heimlich on any of my kids. Yeah. They, they they will work it out. Even if they're gagging, you just have to stay calm and let it work itself out. And it will. Yeah. So. Totally. Yeah. So that was a really awesome um, Zoom meeting. The other thing I wanted to say, because we were talking about it earlier when your mom was over at the pool, we were talking about raw milk and how so many people are like, oh, my God, raw milk. What? No. You know, and I think it got brought up because your oldest daughter was saying something about getting organic yogurt. And then your mom said, well, that's great. But because the milk has already been pasteurized, it's not that beneficial. And then I chimed in. Always got to add my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're totally right, because when you pasteurize the milk and homogenize it, you're destroying it. And then you're making it something that our bodies cannot assimilate very well. And it makes it kind of like is, I don't want to say trash in the body, but like it's, it's waste. It's not something that's usable. And I started drinking raw milk. Let me think about this. Probably six years ago. And of course at first you're like, Hmm, okay, this is so unconventional. This is okay. Well, I noticed a difference in my own health and my hormones for sure. And the thing with yogurt from, you know, store-bought, already been pasteurized, when you pasteurize and homogenize, you are taking out all the bacteria. And raw milk has amazing, it has a plethora of good flora of bacteria. And people are always worried about the pathogenic bacteria that can make you sick, like listeria or something like that. The thing about it is, the good bacteria in the milk is going to eat and kill the pathogenic bacteria. And furthermore, listeria is usually like the glass container wasn't cleaned out well enough. And that's where the listeria came from. It doesn't come from straight from the cow most of the time. So, you know, and I learned how to sit the raw milk out on the counter for days and days and days and let it separate. So then I had whey and milk product and fat and I would make cheese and yogurt and kefir. And it was just incredible what you could do with just a little bit of raw milk. And, um, you know, even things like soaking nuts and then crisping them in the oven, it neutralizes the enzymes that can become inflammatory in our system. Like I didn't know that until several years ago, soaking our oats, you know, soaking the oats neutralizes the enzymes. If we don't soak them, then they can be inflammatory in our gut. And so many people think, oh, I eat oatmeal every day. That's great. You know, it's so healthy for me. Yes and no. You know, you have to prepare it traditionally because those grains weren't meant to be put in our body in that raw form, um, you know, unprepared. And heating them up in the microwave or on the stove is not proper preparation. So again, like looking at Weston A. Price, it lines all of this out for you very clearly. 
um, where you can understand how to prepare food traditionally and you can understand the different um, components of vitamins and minerals in different foods and where to get them and how to source food and I mean even eggs you know conventional eggs you look at the yolk color it's like a pale yellow you look at a farm egg and it's orange and Lizzie oh my gosh we have so many good eggs this summer I know we have I have just recently have gotten 11 baby chicks and that's my goal is to have fresh eggs that's I've been wanting that for years now and I finally took that step to get that yay I love I'm so excited for my first egg (laughs) (laughs) when you reach those milestones like it it seems so small but it's so huge just like me starting this podcast dreamed about it for years and we did the first episode and like I just birthed the podcast (laughs) here it is Yeah, so that was a little bit on nutrition, and then what were some of the other Zooms that we did? I think we did one on what relationships, like after, like postpartum, we did one on that, like yeah. talking about how your relationship with your husband or partner can change, realistically, it, it can change at postpartum, and it, it might be, I mean, it can really be weird for you in that you didn't expect but it it's a reality mm-hmm. so. yeah and that was really nice too to to hold that space for everyone to yes. kind of share their intimate feelings and experiences because it is something private and it should be kept sacred but then there's the piece of okay so I'm feeling these things or thinking these things and I don't know who to talk to about this and it was really nice to to hold that space to allow everyone to to get feedback, you know, even just to like say their story, even if they didn't want feedback. Um, and then for some women, I heard a lot of, oh, my gosh, yes, me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> there was a lot of, yes, yes, me too. And that's so comforting for women. And, you know, not to go into detail because it is um, a sensitive and it should be kept sacred topic, but you know, your body changes physically. You look at it. I mean, it grows this human life inside of it and it, you know, blossoms and you have this beautiful belly. And then, you know, especially if it's your first baby and you don't know what to expect. And then afterwards you might feel this emptiness. Like there's no longer this life inside of me, even though I'm holding my baby on the outside, like you maybe feel differently about your body and like the skin that is left hanging there and not fully, you know, back to where you were before. And, and learning to accept that we're not supposed to be any certain way. We're not supposed to be any certain size. We're not supposed to have all these expectations on ourselves and our bodies and what it should or shouldn't be. Um, you should never should on yourself. I always say that. And, you know, learning about, how to uh, communicate your feelings and your desires with your partner, I think was a big thing that came up because a lot of women were saying, you know, I feel a certain way and I just don't know how to express it to my partner. You know, so we were coming up with different, different techniques of, you know, if the partner is, okay, you're six weeks, so that means we can have sex now, right, honey? And you're sitting there going, uh, I I don't know. You know, like you don't want to disappoint your partner. You don't want to 
have them feel neglected. And so one of the suggestions that I had heard from a doula year, years ago was talking about, okay, you know, let's maybe try this, um, try to be intimate when I feel comfortable, maybe it's six weeks, maybe it's eight weeks, maybe it's 12 weeks, whenever it is, it doesn't have to be any certain number, but to be open and, and communicate that with your partner that, okay, I do want to restore the intimacy in our relationship. Why don't we try on this Saturday or whatever? And some people go, oh, that's weird. Like you're planning it out. And I don't think that it is because it allows both partners to, to, to prepare themselves for it. You know, it allows the man to prepare himself. Okay. This may or may not go the way I think, but we are going to try it. And it prepares the woman. Okay. This may or may not go, but I know that he is on board with like letting me feel this out and not pressuring me. And there's no expectations with it. And, um, and then furthermore, like once it is, you know, at a good place and you feel comfortable, sometimes life is so busy with all of your kids and you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't find time to connect with my spouse and not just on like a sexual level, but just like communication and intimacy to schedule times, literally put it on your calendar. Even if it's, you know, we put the kids to bed early on, um, you know, the first Thursday of the month and, and we watch a movie and eat popcorn or talk about our feelings or whatever, it's a really good idea to have those times scheduled out, blocked out so that you're not neglecting your relationship. And you also are giving yourself the opportunity and the space to express things, which is another thing that we talked about is how to convey to your partner your needs. And I think that that is where a lot of stress comes in a relationship is, you know, we're feeling frustrated. We need something. But we don't know how to express it. And even saying like, when you touch me this way, it makes me feel good. It's a very simple thing to say, but sometimes we just don't even realize that that's what we need to say. Um, or, you know, when you touch me this way, it, I don't like the way that that feels anymore. And so they know and they are being guided so it's not awkward and it doesn't create frustration between the couple. I don't know. Can you speak into that at all, Izzy? Yeah, I think I think it's like a big transition when you add kids and your body changes. Just like, you know, before your breasts were met in those moments and now you're breastfeeding so it might be awkward you know, feeling touched out. Right. And so I feel like there's just so much more that comes to the relationship when you add a child. And I think it's really, really important to make that time for you and your partner. And it's really important to communicate because with kids and adding all the changes, it, you can find yourself like, wow, I haven't even had time to communicate with my husband and I think that just builds on frustration and um which could easily be eliminated if right. you just set aside the time to communicate right yeah I think it is like something I'm I've learned in my i my 10 years of being married and through my five kids that you really need to set time aside for just you and your husband and 
you you can't feel guilty about it because I know I know some of my friends they're like I just feel bad because the kids and I don't want to take them to a babysitter and I'm like no that is really really important to get that time with just you two so I think and like she said is the communication you have to keep the communication open because if you bottle all that up, it just ends up, when you do start communicating, it comes off different because you're just spilling everything at once. So if you just handle it bits by bits, I think that takes away the whole just pouring your heart out all at once. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, I know my husband sometimes like, where does this come from? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> sorry. But I mean... I, it, I think that's just really important to talk as you go instead of bottling it up and mm-hmm. not knowing how to handle it. And even in those moments, like you were saying, your husband saying, oh, my God, where is this coming from? You know, just to give yourself grace to like not shame yourself, not feel bad. Like, oh, my God, was I thinking I'm crazy? I shouldn't have said all that to him. You know, like remind yourself, OK, I I'm a mom. I have a lot on my plate. I'm also trying to be a wife. I'm trying to adjust to all these different things, no matter what kid this is that you brought into your family, be it one, five, 12, like it's a change. You know, you have a new life in your family, you have a new blessing. And, and also to say to your partner, you know what? Well, I don't know where that came from and I'm sorry. It wasn't directed at you. I'm not angry, you know, just to, to verbalize and not let it escalate into a fight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not wrong. I don't think to like, because I mean, sometimes people need to unload like that. Mm -hmm. And you're not there. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not crazy. You're Mm -hmm. not. But I'm just saying, I think unloading little by little and, and speaking in the moments and at the time makes it easier yeah for sure and also I feel like our society's gotten to a point where therapy is no longer a taboo thing to do and but I just I want to say that to the audience you know don't be afraid to have a therapist because as much as you rely on your partner to communicate and to have this great relationship with, you also don't want to burden your relationship with every single little thing. And, um, it's, you know, for myself being a midwife, I deal with some really profound moments, life events, and I don't need to dump that on my partner every day. And it's nice for me to just have that unbiased third party where I can just go and and literally dump it, you know, let, let it out. Not that they really give me a whole lot of feedback or that I'm even looking for feedback, but I've released it, you know, and it's a really healthy practice. And so I just want to encourage people, you know, whether you're struggling or not, because there's been highs and lows in my life. And, you know, I've seen my therapist through all of it, the highs and the lows. And it's always just so refreshing to have that safe space to release what it is that I'm feeling and experiencing and thinking about. Yeah. And I know sometimes people, you know, with the therapy, they, you know, and if you, if you're, if that's out of your comfort zone, find that person that you can, you know, vent to, you know, if like yeah. I use my mom for that a lot <laughs> yeah. 
and you know I mean therapy is you know a good thing I'm just saying some people that's outside their comfort zone but Uh I think if you find that person that you can just call up and let your emotions out it helps so much to and it's that's I think the outlet is what especially when you're the having safe yeah the yes. safe outlet safe yes. place to let it go mm-hmm. so important okay what else do we talk about on some of the zooms i think the next one we talked about chiropractic care and um let's see i know there was more in that zoom but definitely chiropractic care during pregnancy even before um craniosacral therapy the benefits of all of that the the pelvic floor oh yeah so then last week or no just yesterday it was i had carrie dr carrie craig on our zoom meeting to talk about pelvic floor health she is a physical therapist who specializes in women's health and the pelvic floor and that was really enlightening for all of us because it's something that i think all too often gets just left behind and not talked about um and not addressed you know a lot of women are like oh i can't jump on the trampoline because i'm gonna pee my pants well that's not okay and you shouldn't have to live like that so she was stressing the importance of having a consultation even before you get pregnant just to know where you're at if you even need any help Um, because our pelvic floor think about it like you grow a baby it's holding that baby in it helps you to birth the baby out and then it has to help you to um, bring everything back together after the baby and um, you know it really is a significant part of women's health so I really I was so happy that that she was on with us and talked about all that stuff Um, what else do we talk about can't think of any other topics we've had so many of them like i know there was other stuff but but that was a good chunk of what we've been talking about a lot of the main ones yeah oh i know what a, a big one was is somebody had the question of how do i help my child develop cognitively like their neurodevelopment Mm -hmm. and it was so funny because i had to pause in the middle of the zoom and go okay julia don't come across too strong with this stuff because so many of the women were saying i bought this and i bought that and they're you know i bought a walker and i bought a you know as we call them containers so a container would be any Thing that you put your child in to contain them so walkers are one saucers are one where they're in the upright position and their feet are dangling to the floor touching the floor um bouncy seats swings all these different things and then there's all the toys that they push a button and it lights up or it sings to them and you know they're talking about oh, you know i have all these things and you know, I just want to help him reach his next milestone. And, and again, like we said earlier, back to the basics. 
And I don't say it arrogantly and I don't say it to offend anybody or make anybody feel like, oh my gosh, I've been doing all this wrong. You haven't been doing it all wrong. You've been doing the best that you know and that's enough. You are enough and you haven't done anything wrong. But, you know, getting some some wisdom about things is also important. So I was talking about how Again, back to the basics, you really don't need anything. Tummy time, I know it's like, you know, coined tummy time, but just a baby being on their belly, even when they're tiny, is good. I mean, you can let your baby sleep on their belly. It's okay. Um, They have the tonic neck reflex that they will bring their head up if, you know, it's positioned in the sheets obviously you don't want to lay your baby face down on a squishy pillow that they're you know they're going to suffocate use common sense but that is intricate uh, sorry an integral part of developing the the different cortex of the brain and the midbrain and the pons and the um, abdullah mangata and all these different parts that develop at different stages and letting them like reach out to grab something and not putting something that lights up in front of their face and um, not putting them in a container because you never want to skip the crawling phase. And if you think about it, you put your kid in a saucer or a walker, they're in a position that is not natural. They could not do that on their own. So the point that I was trying to drive home with everyone was don't force your child to do unnatural things that they're not ready to do. Also, don't look at the milestones in the books and think my child has to do this by the time they're six months old or something's wrong. Every child develops at their own pace. And the way that you can nurture that is just giving them the space to do so. Um, So, you know, when you put them in the saucer, they're in a position that is not they're not able to sustain on their own. So they shouldn't be in that position. Now, if you have to put them in that so that you can take a shower safely and not worry about them going somewhere, that's one thing. And definitely, for those purposes, there's nothing wrong with keeping your child safe while you take a shower or cook dinner or whatever. But I think it's even better to have the pack and play or the little gates that you put out and they are just in a little gated circle and they're on their belly with you know a ball or a block or something in there with them and crawling is so crucial to neurodevelopment that when you put them in these containers they totally skip that step and they start walking prematurely and they don't have the time on their belly, the time that they're using to scoot on their belly and then the time that they're like getting up on their hands and knees and rocking. And then they start, you know, army crawling and then on their hands and knees, putting one arm and leg in front of the other. And um, each one of those movements is critical in the neurodevelopment of the child. And Lizzie, you know, she's seen it with all of her kids. Yes, I have. And I'm not going to lie. I have some of the quote unquote containers, but Malachi, for example, that's my fifth baby that I, he's eight months. He doesn't even have want anything to really do with it. You saw the one <laughs> I've time. Seen it, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I mostly don't use them because I have so many people around to like keep a watch out while I, but I mean, there are those moments where he got it for Christmas and I, you know, he, I put him in it like, okay, I need to go do this. And I, put him in the saucer thing but he doesn't even enjoy it no. and, I mean he doesn't at all and so it is a very important thing it's you don't even need 
baby toys. No, it's all just, just money that you don't need to spend. Right. When when she says basic, I am I'd call myself pretty basic and I mean Malachi would rather play with something he's seeing me hold than even yeah, a baby toy for sure i mean i remember with the twins i literally redid the kitchen so that the cabinets on the bottom they could get to had you know like the metal mixing bowls and plastic tupperware containers or whatever big things that i knew weren't little things that they could swallow or they could cut themselves on or whatever and it was so much fun for them to literally unload the cabinet and then I also use it as a teaching moment to say, okay, like, let's put everything back now. And then they take it back out. And we put it back in. And, you know, you don't have to buy toys. Those are the toys they want. How many yeah. of you, I'm sure, have had a giant cardboard box from something that you bought, a washer or dryer, and that's like the favorite toy for a month? Oh, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we're just wasting our money on all these things that we don't need, and we're making life more complicated. So everybody get back to the basics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You will thank yourself later. <laughs> yeah. Make your life simple. There's nothing wrong with it. It's actually better and on so many levels. Um, so, yeah, I think that that pretty much sums up all of the Zooms that we've had for, like, the past month or so. Right? Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. We covered a lot in this yeah. time we've been on. Yeah. And tomorrow we are doing an in-person at a park so that people can be socially distanced if they choose to. You know, everybody can be at their own comfort level, come if they want or not. But that's something that we do at Cleveland Home Birth um, for our clients just to try to bring everyone together in community and support and love and let everybody know that that we care and you know not alone and splash in the the lake and have some fun and let the kids it's so amazing to me like last summer we did it the kids just instantly took to each other when having so, they're having so much I fun know. yes my and they kids didn't even know it. each other i know they it was it. so great it was so great so thanks be to god the weather is looking awesome for tomorrow and we're super pumped about that so I think that pretty much wraps it up. Yep. What do you think? I think so, too. And if if you're listening and you're part of Cleveland Home Birth, you should really get involved in these things that Julia does for everyone. Absolutely. I second that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it has been real. I think it's time to jump back in the pool and soak up the last bit of sun before it goes down. What do you think, Lizzie? Yep. I think that sounds like a good idea. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Home Birth Experience. And we look forward to bringing you more information on every podcast. You can find us on Instagram, the Home Birth Experience, Cleveland Home Birth. You can look at our website, clevelandhomebirth.com. And subscribe, rate, and review the Home Birth Experience podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we thank you so much for all your support. We love all you guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.